I'm excited, I hope you are, to dive into God's Word. Revelation chapter 1 will be our text, and it's time for you to do what you do. Get the Word out that we're about to get into the Word. Send that text message, that direct message. Uh, share this online service with five friends. You know what you're doing. Get the Word out. We're about to dive into God's Word, getting into Revelation chapter 1. One. Now, next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and we have an additional service available, another offering. Uh, we, of course, will have our 9 a.m. at the point, 1045 here at Red Bank, and then our regular CW as well. But we also have uh, Fox. We're going to be on Fox on Easter Sunday at 12 to 1 on Fox. So get that word out as well. Revelation chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 11 will be our primary text this morning. Revelation chapter 1, if you're there, uh, let our online campus pastor know, give a high five or something, so we'll know you're there. Revelation 1 verse 1, I'm going to begin reading, and you follow along. The scripture will be on the screen as well. Here we go. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Uh, this is John the Apostle. John the disciple whom Jesus loved. The same John who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Same John. Verse 2. Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who were before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God, and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, as we hear it aloud, let us believe it, let us keep it, let us share it, let us respond in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. The president of Asbury Theological Seminary 
uh, made a, a fascinating connection recently between uh, the coronavirus and Jesus' crown of thorns. And I'm going to quote uh, the Asbury Theological Seminary president. Here's what he said. The word corona has its origin in Latin, and it means crown. So the virus is called corona because when viewed under a microscope, it actually looks like a thorny crown. When you read the gospel accounts leading up to Jesus' crucifixion, the Roman soldiers mockingly place a thorny crown on Jesus' head because he claimed to be the king of the Jews. The thorny corona crown on Jesus' head is a is a symbol of his self-denial and his sacrifice. What a dramatic picture that is of our Lord who takes upon himself our brokenness. So, while our world is obsessed with this thorny uh, crowned virus, church, let us be obsessed with our Savior who bore a crown of thorns, our thorny coronavirus of sin in order to give us life. And that's the subject of the message today, the takeaway, I say, the sermon in a sentence, the essence of the sermon in a sentence, the big idea, I call it the takeaway, and it simply reads this way today, it's time to dwell in Jesus, not on a virus. It's time to be obsessed with Jesus, not with a virus. It's time to be consumed by Jesus and not by this virus. It's time to dwell in Jesus and not on a virus. So what I want to do today is show you four pictures of what it looks like to dwell in Jesus. What does dwelling in Jesus even look like? Well, there's four pictures that I want to point out that John the Revelator uh, paints for us in Revelation chapter number one. The first one is simply this. To dwell in Jesus is to tell of Jesus. To dwell in Him is to tell of Him, to speak of Him, to share Him. means to dwell in Him. Now notice in the very first verse of of Revelation chapter 1, we read the word revelation, the revelation of Jesus. Now some people will call the book of Revelation the book of Revelations, plural with an S on the end. That's incorrect. Now, why would they do that? Well, my guess is we read all the symbols in the book of Revelation and we think, well, these symbols must be different individual revelations. But the subject of the book of Revelation is not this symbol or that symbol. The subject is the Son of God Himself, Jesus the Christ. He's the subject of the book of Revelation. And so John is receiving this revelation. Notice who he gets it from. He gets it from God who gave it to him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Can I I encourage you today? Listen, God is not playing hide and seek with you, okay? This book wasn't written to confuse you. This was written for you to explore and embrace and get excited about. Because the Lord's coming. It will be soon. It will be sure. It will be seen. It will be sudden. God, Listen, if you seek Him, you will find Him. He's not hiding from you. And notice the, how this revelation is revealed to John. Notice the, uh, what we could call the avenue of authority. Uh, look at this chain of command. Uh, look at the direction of the divine. The flow 
of the Father, the government of God, the, the, the how of the Holy Spirit's hope. Look at the jurisdiction of Jehovah here. Look at the route of revelation. It starts with God, the Father, and then it goes to God the son and then it goes to a messenger an angel and then to John the servant and then to the church it's a chain the gospel came to John because it was headed to the church the gospel came to you because it's going to somebody else don't stop it the gospel can't be stopped Paul said it can't be chained so the gospel moves to John now is John going to keep it to himself or is he going to share it look at verse 2 we're told what he does he bore witness to the word of God he didn't keep it to himself He bore witness to it. He bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Don't miss that. Everything John sees and hears in the book of Revelation is about Jesus and from Jesus. Don't miss that. And John calls the testimony of Jesus, he calls it the word of God. We better be careful to not call it anything else. We better be just as careful to read and believe and share and keep the Word of God as John was to write it down. Don't add to it. Don't take away. Hold true to the Word of truth. So John bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus. But here's a good question. Can we trust what John wrote? I mean, can we trust it? Is he telling us the truth? Well, I would point you over to 1 John. You don't have to turn there. But in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, we read, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, which we've touched. He goes on to say it's been manifest to us. We've seen it. We testify. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was in the Father, which was with the Father and made manifest to us. That's what we've seen and heard. We proclaim to you. Yes, we can trust John. What he saw, he shared. He couldn't help but speak about what he had seen and heard. He couldn't help it. And then in the Gospel of John, toward the end of that chapter, he tells us the truth. Here's what he says. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. We can trust what John wrote. He wrote down the Word of God. And as we read through the Revelation chapter 1, I want to encourage you, I want to remind you uh, to understand where John is. We read about it in verse 9. Where is he? He's on an island. He's isolated. He's quarantined. He's sheltering in place. Keep that in mind as we read through this. Revelation of Jesus. And notice John is not focused on his crisis. He's not focused on his mess. He's not focused on his isolation and separation from the body of Christ. That's not what he's focused on. He's focused on the revelation of Jesus. He's not dwelling on his situation. He's dwelling in the Son of God, Jesus himself. And we know this from verse 3. Look at verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Now, if John was focused on his situation, if he was focused on the fact that he was uh, sequestered and quarantined and sheltered in place, if he was focusing on that, verse 3 would not read blessed. Verse 3 would read, what a hot mess is the one who is stranded on the island of Patmos for this time will never end. You feel like that? That this time's never going to end? 
Do you feel that way? Well, John isn't focused on that. He's focused on Christ. And in him, he can say, blessed is the one who reads these, for the time is near. Not that it's never going to end. It's near. The end of COVID-19. We are nearer today to the end of COVID-19 than we were yesterday. We're, because we're nearer today to the coming of Christ than we were yesterday. So be encouraged and focus on dwelling in Jesus, not on a virus. He also calls these the words of prophecy. We read in Revelation 19.10 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That the gospel message is the truth that we must hold on to and share. Now, John is not dwelling in his mess. He's dwelling in the Messiah. Look at verse number 4. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. Here's some good news. He says, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. Grace is a gift that is given by God. That's what grace is. Grace is a gift that is given by God. And when you receive that gift, with it comes peace with God and the peace of God. Man, what a glorious gospel. And notice... What John focuses on in verse 4 through verse 8. He focuses on the Trinity. God the Father, the one who was, is, and is to come. The seven spirits is God the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus Christ, the, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, the God the Son. He's focused on not his situation, but his God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so what does he have to tell us about this Jesus as he focuses on the architect of salvation, being God the Father, the applier of salvation, God the Holy Spirit, and the achiever of salvation, God the Son? What does he have to say to us about this Jesus? Well, look again at verse number 5. To him who loves us, some of you need to know and you need to hear that God loves you. He loves you. He's aware of your situation and he cares about you. How do we know? He just doesn't give lip service to that. He loves us. He proved it. He showed it. How? He freed us from our sin by Jesus' blood. Oh, the blood poured out on the cross of Calvary was a price that Christ paid for you and for me to free us, not to chain us, but to free us from our sin. What a glorious gospel. And he just doesn't save us and put us in the corner somewhere. He makes us new. He made us mm, made us a kingdom, priest to God our Father. Man, he gives us responsibilities in his kingdom as servants to the great high king. And I love what God does in verse 7. Look at verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. When you think about Jesus' first coming, think about how few people saw the first coming. Very few people witnessed the first coming of Christ. Very few. But you need to know something about the second coming. <laughs> Every eye will see him. Paul even says, on that day, every knee will bow, every tongue confess, every ear will hear, every eye will see. Even those who pierced him, even those who said, we're above him, we're better than him, even they. We'll see his second coming. And every tribe, people from every tribe, nation, language, they will all bow down to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then look what God does in verse 8. He puts his stamp of approval on this testimony. 
This is one of the few places in Scripture where God audibly speaks. I mean, He speaks, and this is what He says. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He's putting His stamp of approval on John's testimony of Jesus. Now, does God put His stamp of approval on all testimonials? Does he do that? I mean, some testimonials might be helpful, some hurtful, some encouraging, some discouraging. Some may be under the radar, some may be over the top. For example, this somebody uh, some time ago said something about toilet paper. And everybody's in a bath tissue frenzy, right? Just panicking about it. Well, that testimonial probably does not have God's stamp of approval on it. But this testimony of Jesus has God's stamp of approval. Why? Because to dwell in Him is to tell of Jesus. Now, one thing you'll notice about the book of Revelation is John is not an expert on the exact time of the end times. He doesn't give us a date. He doesn't say April the 5th, 2020, Christ is coming again. He doesn't give us a date. Why? Because God, Jesus, told His disciples in Acts chapter 1, it's not for you to know the seasons. It's not for you to know the times. Nobody knows the time. Not even the Son of God knows the time. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. I love what Dr. Steve Gaines said about this verse in Acts chapter 1, 6-8. He said, no one is to be an expert in eschatology. No one is to be an expert in the end times. Be an expert in evangelism. Be an expert in telling people about Jesus. Be an expert of having gospel conversations. I would add this. We need not be experts in foretelling the when of Jesus' second coming. We need to be experts in telling the why of his first coming. We need not speculate about Jesus' second coming. We need to be experts in speaking about his first coming. For he is coming. So don't let the gospel stop with you. It didn't stop with... God the Father, it didn't stop with Jesus, it didn't stop with the messenger, it didn't stop with John, it didn't stop with these seven churches. Don't let it stop with you. Here's the second picture we look at when we think about what does it look like to dwell in Jesus. Here's the second picture. Number two, we see this in the first part of verse number nine. Here's the second picture. Dwelling in Jesus is both inclusive and exclusive. Dwelling in Jesus is both inclusive and exclusive. Now, the Holy Spirit dropped this thought in my heart in verse number 9, where it says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and kingdom and patient endurance that are in Jesus. I, John, in Jesus. I, John, in Jesus. I, John, in Jesus. One of those is inclusive. One of those is exclusive. The inclusive piece of this is I, John, or I, Sam. I I am in Jesus because on March 15, 1994, he saved my soul. So I can say that I'm included in that number. I'm a part of the body of Christ, not because of what I've done. I haven't done anything. I've done everything to keep myself from being saved. Jesus is the one who saved me. He delivered me. He freed me. And because of that, I'm a part of the family of God. I've been adopted into the family of God. So that can be for anybody. In other words, anybody can be saved. Not everybody will be saved, but anybody can be saved. 
So that's the inclusive piece, and we don't have a problem with that. We like that. We like the fact that anybody can be saved. We like that. Again, not everybody will, but anybody can. And we read this all through Scripture. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus says, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. 1 Timothy 2, 3. The Bible tells us this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So the inclusiveness of the gospel says that anyone can be saved. That's the part we like. Here's the part we don't like. (laughs) It has to happen in and through and by Jesus. That it's in Jesus. Notice that I, John... Your brother and partner in the tribulation kingdom and the patient that are in Jesus, not in Muhammad, not in Buddha, not in tradition, not in religion, not in cultural Christianity, not in my good works, not in my sincerity of believing what I want to believe, not in believing whatever I want to believe. In Jesus. Very exclusive. Very exclusive. In fact, the scripture even tells us this. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, not in whatever you want to believe in, it's not whosoever believes in whatever they want to believe in, it's whosoever believes in Jesus. Very exclusive. We read in Acts 4.12, and there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And then Jesus himself says in John 14.6, In my Father's house are many dwelling places, many of them. And Jesus told them the way to get to the Father's house. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one, no man, no woman, no boy, no girl, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to the Father because he's the only one who paid the penalty of your sin And my sin, which satisfied God's wrath against our sin. God the Father then will allow no sin into his home. He's not going to allow sin into his house. In fact, he says nothing unclean or impure will ever enter it. He's not going to let sin into heaven. You say, well, can't he just let a little bit of sin into heaven so more people can get in? I mean, what's the big deal? Can he let like .0000005% of sin into heaven so other people can get in? Can he do that? Let me ask you, if an Olympic athlete uh, tests positive for a trace of performance-enhancing drugs, I'm talking about .0000001%, just a trace, do they get to compete? No, the blood has to be pure without any performance-enhancing drugs whatsoever. But let, let's bring it, and, and it doesn't matter if the athlete says, well, you know, I don't use it that much. It's just a trace, just a little bit. Surely you can let me compete. No. Let's bring it a little closer to home, shall we? We've all heard that a person can be a carrier of the coronavirus and yet show no symptoms whatsoever. 
We've heard that. And, and I don't have any reason to doubt that. I certainly believe that. So let's say you have a neighbor or a friend, and he or she tests positive for COVID-19. But ha- they have no symptoms. They show no signs whatsoever. But let me ask you. Would you allow them to stay in your home? Would you invite them in to stay in your home? If you knew they tested positive for COVID-19, but they showed no signs? I heard you say no from here. Right? Of course not. No, you wouldn't. So why do we get bent out of shape? Why does it offend us? Why do we get sideways about the fact that God has said in His Word that nothing unclean or impure will ever enter His home. Why does that offend us? See, we've all tested positive for sin. Every one of us. We're, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all tested positive. You say, oh, Pastor, I don't show any signs of sin. Well, look, you need to look again. And when you look again, don't look again and say, well, I'm going to compare myself to someone. And my sin's not as bad as their sin. Now, comparatively, I'm, I'm not that bad. Surely God will let me in because I'm, I'm a really good person in my sin. Listen, again, let me ask you the question. If you had a neighbor or friend that tested positive for COVID-19 but showed no sign, would you invite them into your home? Would you let them stay there? Well, what if they said, well, you know, I don't have any symptoms. Surely you can let me. Again, you would say no. You would ban that from your home, just like God has banned sin from his home. If God were to let all of us into the eternal realm of heaven in his home, with sin still a part of our spiritual makeup, we would corrupt heaven. We would pollute the new heaven and the new earth. And and this same cycle of sin and destruction that we see on this earth would start all over again. He's not going to allow that to happen. But he's made a way for those who trust Christ to be cleansed. And be welcomed into the glory of heaven. But for those who reject him, there is a quarantine. God has a quarantine. And that quarantine is a real place called hell. And hell is a place for people who hold on to their sin and refuse to be cleansed by the blood of Christ. Just refuse to receive that gift of grace. That quarantine is called hell. So here's my question to you. Dwelling in Jesus is both inclusive and exclusive. So can you say like John said, I, John, in Jesus? Can you say that? If not, we want to invite you to humble yourself, to forsake your sin, to confess it and turn away from it, and put your faith alone in Jesus alone. He will deliver you right now. Right now, if you'll trust him. If you want to do that, you have a question about that, text Jesus, the name Jesus, to this number, 423-440-8555. We got people ready to talk to you right now. Don't you wait. Get on the phone with them now. Number three, here's a third picture of what it looks like to dwell in Jesus. Number three, the testimony of Jesus quarantines, but it itself is never quarantined. Now, the testimony of Jesus quarantines us, but is never itself quarantined. Now, I, want, I do want to ask you, I, I do care about you, and I do want to know how you're doing with all this quarantining. It's different, isn't it? I mean, one bright spot, I guess, for me is 
of the Hamill Road train, and I've been able to practice social distancing. So that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And now they have a, a live train cam that whenever we get back to whatever back to is, we can even watch the cam and try to avoid the train. On, on the one hand, I feel like I'm reliving the early 90s when I was in high school. That gas prices are so low, but at the same time, I, I can't take advantage of it because I'm grounded at home. kind of feels like high school. Thanks, Mom. Thanks. <laughs> Reminds me a lot of that. Verse number 9. The testimony of Jesus quarantines, but it itself can't be quarantined. So look at verse 9 again. I, John, your brother and, again, partner in the tribulation and kingdom. Notice where he is. On the island called Patmos. Please understand, John is isolated. He is separated from the family of God. He is, he is quarantined away from his family and the local church. So he finds himself stranded in exile, being persecuted because of the testimony of Jesus and the word of God. You say, well, how do we know that he was really quarantined? I mean, how do we know that? Is there any proof of that? Well, great question. I would point you to Revelation 21 verse 1, and it gives us a very clear answer. Revelation 21 1 reads this way. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea, S-E-A, S-S-E-A, yeah, the sea, S-E-A, the sea was no more. Now, we read over that. We don't pay much attention to that, pay little attention to that at all as we read through Revelation 21. We're focusing on a lot of other things rather than the sea being no more. But that was important to John. In fact, of all the things that he saw, he mentioned that. Why would he mention that? That was huge for him. Well, think about it. Where is he in Revelation? He's on a what? He's on an island. Okay, now in order for a piece of geography to be identified as an island, it must be surrounded by what? The sea. Now, some people get seasick. This isn't a case of John being seasick. This is a case of John being sick of the sea. He's sick of being isolated. He's sick of being quarantined. He's sick of it. Maybe you are in the same boat. Maybe you are sick of all of this sheltering in place. Well, John finds himself there, and when he reads, when he sees this revelation, and he writes this down, and we read this, that there was no more sea. That was huge for him. Because he realizes it's in this new heaven and new earth, there's no more separation. There's no more sheltering in place. There's no more quarantine. And he's overly excited about that as he shares that. So we know for a fact that he is quarantined. So let me ask you this. What is it that you get excited about? What is it that, that fires you up? Maybe it was a career. Maybe education. Maybe it was a bank account. Maybe it was a house or a car or this or that. Well, I'll tell you what. For many people, much of that is gone. It's gone. Now, it breaks my heart. I don't want that to be gone for anybody. But man, it points us to what really matters, the gospel, which says there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. Nothing that can separate us. So how do we know that the testimony of Jesus was not quarantined? That leads us to the last picture of what it looks like to dwell in Jesus. Here's the last one. Number four. The telling of Jesus is intended to be intentional. It's intended to be intentional. Now, I was reading this past week 
I'm a I missed my sports, and so I was catching up on the New Orleans Saints, and I noticed uh, quarterback Drew Brees encountered on a hike with his dog a rattlesnake, and he posted a picture. I think we have the picture with us this morning. There you go. That's from Drew Brees, who was on a hike, and this is what he captioned this picture with this. The baby rattlesnakes were out today. Saw them on a late afternoon walk with the dogs. That's pretty frightening. And so his head coach, Sean Payton, uh, posted uh, pretty much right after Breeze put this picture and caption up there. His head coach posted this directly to Drew Breeze, and I quote, Let's find a different route, okay? <laughs> yeah, now, listen, Coach Payton, Drew Breeze, they've run a lot of routes in the last 15, 16 years. They've written up a lot of routes. They've run a lot of routes. They've been on a lot of routes together. But this one, the head coach was very intentional and said, hey, let's take a different route, okay? So the gospel is to be very intentional. It's intended to be intentional. You know some folks longer than 15, 16 years that you've had relationships with that y'all talk much about life together and business together and family together. But have you talked with them about the gospel? Hey, that's what it's time to do. It's time to tell people about the gospel, to be intentional. The testimony of Christ is always intended to be intentional. And let me show you what I mean. It's fascinating that we have in our midst today the book of Revelation. It's a miracle that we have this letter. And by the way, this is a letter. I know it's prophecy and apocalypse and the testimony of Christ, but it's also a letter written to seven churches. It's a letter a love letter from God to his people. And it's a miracle we have it today. Because think about where John is. He's stranded on an island. Right? And he has this incredible revelation of Jesus. And he says it this way in verse number 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Man, what a great place to be any day. Especially on the Lord's day to be in the Spirit. We can't be in person gathered together today, but we can be in the Spirit with one another today. In the Spirit, on the Lord's Day. And look what John said. He says, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. So understand what the Holy Spirit is doing with John. The Holy Spirit is helping John. The Holy Spirit is the helper, right? He's helping John. He's enabling him to see this revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's enabling him to hear this loud voice like a trumpet. The Holy Spirit is helping John write out and send out the testimony of Jesus. Did you hear that? The Holy Spirit is helping John write down and send out the testimony of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will help you do the same thing. He will help you write out your testimony. And if you're a believer, I want to challenge you to do that. I want to challenge you during this time of quarantine and isolation not to just forget about the gospel. I want to challenge you to sharpen your testimony. Write it down in three blocks. What was your life like before you came to Christ? How did you come to Christ? And number three, what's your life been like since? Write it out. Use a pen and pencil on some paper. Mail it to a friend. Email it to a friend. Direct message it to a friend. Have a conversation on the phone with a friend. and tell, Phone a friend and tell them the gospel. 
Man, give them the testimony of Jesus and how he has changed your life. The Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit's not quarantined. The Holy Spirit will help you. Write it out and send it. So write it out and send it. Now, for some of you watching today, you're not in the Spirit on this day because in order to be in the Spirit, in order to dwell in the Spirit, the Spirit has to, you have to be indwelt by the Spirit. So, I ask you, and Jesus said this himself. He said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So I wonder, is the Holy Spirit drawing you right now to be saved? Are you under conviction of your sin? Is there a weight on you right now of your sin and how you've turned your back on God? Is it, is it weighing you down? Is the guilt and shame just too much? Well, I'm telling you, you're not tuning in here by accident. You've not jumped on our live stream or on Facebook Live by accident. The Holy Spirit has led you here today. He is drawing. He knew before the creation of the world that on this day, April the 5th, 2020, you would hear the gospel. The Holy Spirit would draw you to be saved. And right now, you can be saved. You can be saved right now. So is the Holy Spirit drawing you? Is the Holy Spirit letting you know that, hey, you're wrong and Jesus is right. And for the first time you realize that. That your sin has separated you from God. But Christ has come. Jesus has come to die on the cross for your sins. He was buried and raised to life. Giving you life eternal if you believe and call on his name. So let me encourage you to do that right now. You call on him to save you right now. And if you need help with that decision or conversation... Text the name Jesus to this number, 423-440-8555. Text Jesus. We'd love to have a conversation with you about the gospel. If you have a prayer request, text the word prayer to that same number. Text baptism if you're interested in taking the next step in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions, text question. We've got people ready to talk to you. We're excited and ready to see what God's doing in your heart and life. So please let us know. We want to help you in your journey with Christ or on your journey to Christ. It's time to dwell in the one, Jesus, not dwell on a virus. You know, I know it's so tempting and I know it's so easy to get (laughs) consumed by, right? To get sucked in. To be overtaken with, to dwell on this this virus, and then all that surrounds it. There's so much that surrounds it that we can so easily get sucked into. I know that. I feel that same temptation. I feel it. But now is the time. Now is the time to stop dwelling on a virus and to start dwelling in Jesus. Like it's time. It is time, it is time to dwell in Jesus. Oh, it's time. It's time to dwell on the one whose appearance is unrecognizable. His his blood uncontainable. His cross undeniable. His death unavoidable. It's time to dwell on the one whose enemy is unprofitable. His father unbeatable. His grace unfathomable. Fathomable, his hour unstoppable. It's time to dwell in the one whose identity is unmistakable, his judgment 
unthinkable. His kingship, unquestionable. And his love, immeasurable. It's time to dwell in the one whose message is unfashionable. His nature, unapproachable. His paradise, unimaginable. And his quest, incomprehensible. It's time to dwell in the one whose resurrection is indisputable. His saints, unmovable. His torture, unbelievable. And his word, unchangeable. Oh, it's time to dwell in the one whom cancellations cannot cancel. Whom closures cannot close. COVID-19 cannot cover up. And coronavirus can't corral. Oh, it's time to dwell in the one whom demons can't defeat. Education can explain away. Fear cannot freeze and governments cannot govern. It's time to dwell in the one whom Herod couldn't halt. The Pharisees couldn't fool. The new age can uncrown and no age can ignore. It's time to dwell in the one whom the tomb couldn't tie up or tear down. It's time to dwell in the one whom quarantines cannot quarantine and viruses cannot vanquish. Oh, it's time to dwell in the one who was bruised and brought healing, who was dead and brought life who is risen and brings power, who reigns and brings peace. It's time to dwell in the one who was and who is and who is to come. It's time to dwell in the one who is the chain breaker, the way maker, the sin taker, the sinner's savior, the saint sustainer, the death eraser, and the grave escaper. Oh, it's time to let your voices swell and yell that you'll no longer dwell on a virus that won't prevail, but you'll dwell in Jesus who causes you to shout, it is well. same old voice tell the same old lies if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside well there's a better life oh there's a better life if you got pain he's a pain taker if you feel lost he's a way Search for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. But there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got changed, he's a pain taker. Say 
If you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify, testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify, testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can't feel it, somebody testify. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain. Chain breaker. He's a 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 chain breaker. He's a